Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Did you know this podcast is powered by ACAST? ACAST is the home of podcasting. For creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know ACAST. It's time you did too. Visit ACAST.com to find out more. ACAST, for the stories. I've had a really interesting week this week. I just hired someone new to start, join my team and he's going to be joining as a new marketing director for, for my company. Ooh. And so, it's, yeah, it's been really interesting because normally it's just me who's doing everything. So now I'm actually working with, with someone else um, in the team and we actually meet in person. We have to do our work together. And it's been a really interesting relationship because now I'm just like, do I, am I supposed to have lunch with him or like, are we meant to hang out after work? Like, what's the deal? Uh, and you don't know whether or not if you should be friends. I think, like, it? normally, right, because I have a retail store. Normally, when I've hired my retail staff, they work in the retail store. So, it's pretty straightforward. And that's mm. something I'm used to. But now, we're kind of, like, switching into more of an office role now. And mm. this new person has joined our first person as an office person. And now, it's just been really interesting. I'm just like... Am I supposed to be friends with them? Like, do you want to be friends with them? I do. I really like him. Listen to the show. He might have. I like Trent. <laughs> this is a Lip Media podcast. Hello and welcome to the Lemon Show. As always, my name is Philip Cooch. and my name is Thomas Tan. And Thomas, this week we're doing things a bit different. Mm. <laughs> well, as you guys can probably tell, things do sound a bit different this week, and that's because we've made a decision that we we're, we're going to just focus on one topic per week and do recommendation time. Because every week we come to the show and we're bringing up these heavy topics like, you know, cultural appropriation. And, you know, it becomes very exhausting for us. I think we've talked about cultural appropriation at least like 50 times. I know. Like, we should win like a Guinness World Record or something <laughs> like that. Like, most mentioned termed in a I, podcast. I mean, it is important, but it does get to a point where like, again, for real? I know. And I'm sure it's the same for you guys listening. Like, by the end of the episode, we don't want you to feel tired and exhausted. Mm. So, we want to keep the show... Very informative and very light as much as we can. So, this is what we're going to do. So, speaking of cultural appropriation, I do want to jump into our first topic, though. (laughs) (laughs) So, our first topic is about this sex and relationship guru who... Her name is Kim Anami and she has a podcast. She also sells sex and relationship courses for like a thousand something dollars per person. And she's kind of gone viral this week for... I would say the wrong reason. So she's created this music video called Kung Fu Vaginas. And I know what you're thinking, Kung Fu and Vagina, what do they have in common? And the thing is that what they have in common is that she's kind of known for lifting heavy objects with her vagina. And Tom, before we started recording, you told me that she has a Guinness World Record? I think she does. I think she has a Guinness Book of Record for carrying the like the heaviest weight with her vagina or something oh like that. Oh my gosh. But I had, did look, have a look on her website and there's just pictures of her carrying Things. stuff with her vagina. I'm like, are you actually, like, how do you actually 
tie things in there. Like, I don't really know the female anatomy. Obviously, I'm gay. Disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, how do you tie things up there to hold up your the weights? I think there was... I saw a picture on her website, and I think there was, like, a, a bullet... Like not a bullet, but something that looks like an oval bullet, and then it ties around it, and she slipped it up inside. And I think through years of doing lots of Kegels, she can hold it. Oh, my gosh. Well, her whole concept about this... Um, strong vagina thing is that it can improve your sex life it mm. can you know make you a better woman it can make you become more successful in your career mm. stuff like that and look we're both very sex positive people and we are you know we encourage all women to be more more expressive of their sexuality like that's not a problem to us but the problem with what i have with what she's done is she's kind of appropriated chinese culture slash Japanese culture which I'll go to a bit later she's kind of confused the two together and she's just made all these racial statements in her music video which has just been so problematic but before I get your opinion on this Tom I just want to quickly go down the list and just point out every single thing that she's done before we jump in this is what the song sounds like And if that tune sounds very familiar, it is it's because it's an exa- a sampling of Carl Douglas' Kung Fu Fighting, which was really popular in the 70s. And that song itself is quite problematic because it perpetuates mm. a lot of Asian stereotypes, <laughs> um, especially the Oriental riff, which is that, that those strings. Is that strings? Those... I think I'm turning Japanese. That one. Yeah. Yep, so yep. that's problematic in itself because... A lot of Westerners think that's what Chinese music sound like. So, she's playing into this stereotype about that. Did you know that that riff is actually older than jazz, older than blues, older than rock itself? Wow, really? It's actually, it came from 1847. So, when I actually looked at what the Oriental riff is, it's actually from a stage performance of the Grand Chinese Spectacle of Aladdin. Aladdin's actually Chinese. What? Say it again? Aladdin's Chinese. What do you mean? Isn't it like the Disney isn't person, it Arabic or something? Nah, it's um the Disney person, the Disney like version of Aladdin made it um Arabic, you know, Middle Eastern. But the true or um origins of Aladdin is actually from China. Oh wow, my mind is blown. Yeah, so that's where actually that da 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 dun 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 came from. And ever since then, the the why the reason why it's problematic is because every time it's been used, it's been used in a way which dehumanizes Asian people. Wow, actually, I'm just mind blown that Aladdin is actually Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna do some googling after this. The next problematic thing about this music video is it opens up with that wonton font and. I'm sure, like, as soon as I say wonton font, you guys can all see in your heads what that looks like. It's that weird font where it's in English, but it kind of, like, it's meant to look like Chinese characters. You know what I'm talking about. It looks like, it's like the the strikes that look like triangles. They look like triangles. And, and it's like, it looks like those, um, 
like on the wonton boxes, which is why it's called wonton font. Is uh, it? Like if you go to the supermarket, you'll see all the wonton, some wonton boxes have, you know. I see it on the fortune cookies. Boxes. Yes, it's on the fortune cookies <laughs> as well. So that's problematic because that's what it, it plays into this idea of what Westerners think Chinese characters look like. And obviously that's not what Chinese characters look like. Mm. Um, but going forward, um, in the music video, she has chopsticks in her hair. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Chinese people wear chopsticks in their hair. They have, like, obviously, Chinese people wear pins and combs and stuff. I think that's where they got it from. Like, back in those old days when they had geishas, when they had um, the Chinese princesses, I think that's when they put pins in their hair. It does look like chopsticks, but it looks like those chopsticks that you get at, like, you know, those Asian stores that has a little dangling thing, like mm-hmm. stationary pens and stuff like that. Like, actually, an accessory meant for your hair, though. Mm, yes, but yes, this yes. one, she's kind of just got chopsticks from her kitchen and just chucked Stuck it in her hair and be like, oh, I'm, I'm so culturally work. Maybe she was just using it for convenience. Maybe she got a little bit hungry later. Just picked out her hair and just get something to eat. <laughs> yeah, after seeing the wonton font. <laughs> but the other problem I have with this is that, so she wears a kimono. Kim- Kim- I always say pronounce this word kimono? wrong. Kimono? Kimono, which is Japanese, of this, course. Which is Kim Kardashian's favourite word? It is her favourite <laughs> word. But she in this music video, she is a white-looking woman. I don't know if she's actually Asian, but she is a very white-looking lo- white woman. She wears a kimono, and obviously kimono is a Japanese culture, cultural outfit. And in this music video, she's trying to appropriate Chinese culture and mm. Chinese things. And I'm just like, are you trying to appropriate Chinese or Japanese culture? Can you at least pick one or you just don't know the difference? Pick one. <laughs> <laughs> and I just generally think she doesn't know the difference between Japanese and Chinese culture, which is very ignorant. And the last thing that I have, problem I have with this is that it fetishizes Asian women and their pussy. And like Asian women, especially uh, fetishized enough and this is just mm. going to further fetishize Asian women so that's my list of complaints Tom what did you think about this whole music video um, <laughs> the first thing I thought that okay another one like we've been there's been so many maybe it's because we're hosting a podcast we've seen so many of these things popping up but then like really these people people don't really learn which one do you think is worse Ma- the mahjong line or this oh I can't say Oh, that's hard. I, don't I think know. this is worse. You think this is worse? This is so much more worse. I think this is equal. I mean, both is not right. I think one thing which gets me a little bit confused is the fact that the people who are inside that music video, right? There is that Asian. There is an Asian girl in it, and there is someone she's who Asian looking, but she's has very European features. She might be a half caste. But there is another Asian girl inside as well, mm-hmm. with like a full Asian girl. My issue is that when people do look ambiguous, racially ambiguous, where, for example, Irina Grande, um, Rita Ora, these people, they look mixed, so then they don't seem white passing. So Irina Grande is actually full Italian, but yet she does things or puts things in her music videos, wears things in her hair, the way that she dresses is not in a culturally sensitive way. Same with Rita Ora. So then... In this music video, there is a lady who does look racially ambiguous, and I don't know what her racial background is, but it, for the viewers, it's a bit confusing. I think that's when people do see those music videos, they're like, oh, it's, it's okay because she's Asian, if that makes sense. I think on the topic of Ariana Grande, though, like you said, she's very ambig- like she's racially ambiguous. And I think the reason why she gets away with that is because it, it is very blurred line because mm. you can't exactly say she's appropriating black culture because she's much saying, oh, this is just who I am. Mm. Because she hasn't done enough like 
to the point where it's really blunt, blatantly obvious, like this woman. Like if if, if Taylor Swift was in this music video, people would be coming for her left and uh-huh. right. So I think that's the reason why she gets away with it. But with this music video, the lady who actually is selling the sex and relationship courses. So this whole music video is to sell her courses, mm. which is they sell for like a thousand something dollars each. She doesn't actually lip sync in the music video. She gets the Asian looking woman to lip sync in the video. And I'm thinking she she thinks that she can get away with it if she gets this Asian looking woman to do it because mm. she'd be like I'm not doing it she's the she's the Asian and she's doing it. So my question is, if an Asian person say if the, an Asian person was selling this course and she, an Asian person was directing this music video and they came up with this idea, does that make it right? The correct answer is no. <laughs> that is the short answer, and I was really hoping you're going to say no because we're, if you had said yes, we'll be here disgusting for I, a very long time. I thought about it, and the reason why I was a little bit hesitant to say no as well, I thought about it in a very religion perspective. Let's say I made a music video about sex toys, and I put a Jesus cross right, right in the middle, and I just started stripping in front of the, that Jesus monument pole. That would be so disrespectful, even though I am a Christian. So I, I thought about that in that perspective, even though it is an Asian person doing it, and she's selling sex stuff, and she's using her Chinese heritage or Asian heritage to do it, it still wouldn't be right because she's degrading her ancestry, her she culture. She's exploiting her, mm. her heritage and her yeah. culture. And I think her ancestors wouldn't be very proud. Exactly. And adding on to that, the reason why if an, if an Asian person would have come up with this idea, it's wrong because she, she or he would be playing into all these stereotypes that Asian people would have to put up, had had to put up for the last, you know, decades or centuries. Mm. So that doesn't make it right if an Asian person was to do it. So I thought about it and I thought, when is the right time? Like, who can do this? Who can kind of get away with it? And I came with like a list of just like four no-nos of why you shouldn't do it or when not to do it. And I think what is the big no-no for me is when people do it or appropriate culture when they steal other people's artwork or artistry without saying where it came from. Like, For example, ASOS or big fashion brands will take artwork from different ethnic, different cultures, different racial back, different countries, and then they'll claim it as their own. They wouldn't give credit to actually the artist who actually invented these things. So that's my my, my one big no-no. My second big no-no is that, is there money involved? So her product that she's selling, sex education, she's selling strong vaginas, strong pussies, and she wants to, you know, give positive, but she's, she's going to be benefiting from it through profit through this music video right so that's my second big no-no the third one i usually think is is it worn in a very disrespectful way is it worn in a very degrading way a very sexy outfit where you cut up and then you just leave on like a make a bra out of like a chong or, or like something this that. music video where there's like ping pong shooting out of her vagina oh yeah i missed that too <laughs> <laughs> or another fourth thing or the final thing is i realize is there a personal agenda so it makes me think about that um, girl who wore the chi-piao for her formal mm-hmm. and it wasn't sexy sexy but she didn't get any money from it but she was still blasting I asked myself why maybe a personal agenda could be it makes me look cute it makes me look hot it makes people who are following me on Instagram look great like I'll get more likes so those are my four things which makes me think when I think about cultural appropriation you asked the question when when can someone do this and, and get away with it. And I think someone who has taken this idea of 
you know, breaking stereotypes and has done a really good job at it is this artist called Lim Kim, who um, someone commented on my TikTok video and told me to check out. So she's a Korean um, singer and she might be a rapper actually. And she was, she was originally a K-pop artist, but she's kind of become this very artistic and groundbreaking artist because she's taken all those stereotypes like those wonton fans and the Chinese outfits and, and stuff like that. And she's kind of just like, just like taking that and just push it, push breaking every every boundaries and every stereotypes that a Western pe- person would think about those stereotypes. And I think that's a good example of someone who can can you know play into those stereotypes but still have a clearer message about what's wrong with it. Okay, so you just showed me that music video of Kim Lim Kim Lim Kim, and it's great. And but a thing that I just heard is that she's actually borrowing inspiration from Middle Eastern music. Even though she's saying this is my Asian culture, if you listen to the music, it's not Asian Asian. Mm. It's Middle Eastern inspired. So when I think about a lot of Asian um, artists who borrow Asian culture, who borrow uh, Middle Eastern, who borrow Indian, like for example, when that Jaiho period came up, Nicole Scherzinger isn't an Indian, but she used Indian heritage to make a profit out of it. Same thing with, for example, da 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 right? A lot of music now in the Western American market, they are borrowing the poly notes, which is actually very popular in Asian music. Like, I can swear, na 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 da 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 The reason why they sound so at East is because there's a lot of Asian people who used to use those poly notes. So when I think about Asian music or uh, Asian-inspired music in music, I think there is a difference because when I do sometimes hear artists talk about it, they're like, you know, I got I was really inspired by the Latin pop scene. I went to Spain. I was so influenced by the vibe. I loved it. I want to make it for my album. I think that's okay because they're paying their homage. They're paying respect and in a way that they're actually tagging the place of where they actually got that influence from. I think, yeah, acknowledging it is a really big part. And obviously... The difference between appropriation and appreciation is when you take when you take inspiration from a culture, first of all, you pay respect to it and you do it in a respectful way. And obviously this has not been done in a respectful way. Like I feel very embarrassed if if this was if if, if as an Asian person, if this was representing my culture. Like mm. that's not a tasteful way to to pay homage to a culture Mm. i think the thing that just gets me is that you know she actually paid money for someone to actually make this for her and to direct and she there was a team of people who obviously shot this music video like it's no homemade music video this was like a high production music video and no one has stopped to say stopped her to say this hey this might be a problem like they did her dirty what about that Asian girl that was in the music video? She could have said something. She, I don't know. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know. Or maybe money just speaks louder <laughs> than words. <laughs> well, you know, we'll love to know what you guys think. Head over to our Facebook page, Instagram page, and our TikTok and let us know what you think. There'll be more lemon coming up. But first, here's a few words from today's sponsors. Did you know this podcast is powered by Acast? Acast is the home of podcasting. For creators looking for freedom to grow their listeners and make money too. And creative brands looking for smart ways to advertise. Podcasters and advertisers in the know know Acast. 
it's time you did too. Visit ACAST.com to find out more. ACAST, for the stories. So my recommendation this week is more for the listeners because you don't really watch Korean dramas. I do not. <laughs> but maybe I can convince you to watch this Korean drama um, because I feel like this Korean drama has become really, really popular online and especially in China because I was talking to my friend Monica I'm um, catching up with her last week and she was literally like giving me a tour of like Chinese TikTok mm. and she was telling me a bit like what Chinese TikTok was like and then she was telling me there's a Korean drama that's going viral on Chinese TikTok and it was called True Beauty. True Beauty. So it's kind of like, that. it's kind of the same feel as Boys of a Flower um, a couple years ago uh, when we yeah, were yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. And I guess like it's like a high school drama sort of thing. But basically the whole premises of the show is there's this girl who is quite ugly mm. um, and by ugly what they mean is she just has acne and pimple on her and forehead and she's probably wearing glasses and she's wearing glasses <laughs> and and so she gets bullied at school like bullied so much to the point where she moves moves schools and then she moves to this new school and then she's like okay I have a fresh start and she learns how to do makeup by watching all these YouTube, t- YouTube tutorials and then yeah she, she becomes really good at doing her makeup and then suddenly she becomes like this really hot girl and really beautiful girl takes off her glasses and she's like beautiful her pimples are all covered with her um, you know with her makeup and then she goes to this new school and everyone's like wow she's so hot oh wow look at her she's a goddess and then yeah and then the two hottest guys in the school like fight over her and so it's very cliche and very cheesy but I feel like sometimes in your life you do need a bit of like cliche cheesy you know Mm. things in your life especially during the pandemic you kind of just want to do with that familiar feeling, you know, of high school love. One thing that I do love about movies or TV shows, when they have that transformation period, when they go from, like, freaking ugly, oh my gosh, ew, to then they suddenly become really hot. Like, it reminds me of, you know, 200 pounds beauty. Yes. When she lost 200 pounds and she got plastic surgery and suddenly she became such a hot pop star. I do, or even Hath- Anne Hathaway in her, what, Princess Diaries? You like Diaries. a before and after story. I do love before and after because <laughs> it's like, it gives me hope. I think what you might actually like about this drama is that she kind of, like, is like Hannah Montana. She lives like a double life. So obviously when she goes home, she takes off her makeup and she doesn't look like how she does at school. So there's there's this other side of of the drama where, you know, outside of school, she's trying to hide her face and she keeps bumping into people from her school. And so her cover's like going to get blown. So I don't know. Does that sound interesting to you? I just don't get it. Can't people just see through hair? I think like we're in an era these days that you can just tell if someone's really attractive, regardless of if they wear makeup glasses or if they have a bad hair like i saw this post on facebook it was from twitter actually it was a meme where this girl posted oh i i am not at um i'm not full-time hot i only choose to be hot when i want to be hot <laughs> and it feels like this girl is actually just choosing which like if she is truly that beautiful i think she's take off her makeup i mean they'll, then there'll be no show i guess but like i guess like the only thing i would say about this drama is i if you have acne like obviously that doesn't make you ugly um, but it, the, the drama does touch on like some really, you know, important issues. And one of the themes in the show is about how, especially in Asian families, our parents push us so hard to be, you know, studious and like get high grades. And in the drama they talk about, they talk about how that affects the, the children and how that affects, you know, you as a student. So 
I think there are some great themes in a show like that. So um, it's not just like a, it might sound like a cheesy drum on surface, but deep down inside a drum, there are some really important themes like that. <laughs> does that, does it, have I convinced you to watch this yet? Not yet. But if you do want to watch it, um, it, it, it's on Vicky. I don't know if you remember the website, oh, Vicky. Oh, I love Vicky. Vicky is that website famous for ha- having all the people commenting live on the top oh, part of the screen. I actually use Vicky to learn Chinese. Like oh. you can, there's this option on Vicky where you can put Chinese subtitles. So when you hover your cursor over the Chinese characters, it tells you the meaning of each word. How cool is that? That's free. I love it. I love, I love how you can l- find free resources to learn Chinese. And your Chinese is actually really good. Not anymore. I'm not like, used. <laughs> To be, I could read when I was actually watching those dramas. It's not anymore. Well, if you want to watch True Beauty, um, you can watch it on Viki. It is free to watch. Um, there is a bit of ads, but you know, look, you got to pay somehow, I guess. But True Beauty, go watch it if you're after a cheesy Korean drama. But thank you so much for tuning all the way into the end of the this week's show. Sorry if it does sound a bit different, but you will get used to it. But like we said, we want to keep the show very. Sharp and have very light, so sharp, sharp, yeah, sharp like my vision. Um, but as always, we'll see. That was a really bad joke. As always, we'll see you guys next week on Tuesday. And make sure you subscribe to us if you haven't yet. Bye bye, bye bye. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a new season we recommend. I'm Vanessa Zoltan. I am a Jewish atheist, non-denominational chaplain. And I'm Matt Potts, and I am a professor at Harvard Divinity School. And we co-host the podcast Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, which is a week-by-week read-through of the Harry Potter books, where we treat those books as if they were sacred texts. And I know what you're thinking. That sounds weird. And I'm here to confirm your suspicions. It is weird. But it does somehow work. By considering these texts deeply on a week-to-week basis, we are able to consider things like how to love ourselves better and how to love each other better. And this is a great time to join the podcast because we've just finished the series and we're starting over with Book One, Chapter One. Listen to the show on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop on Thursdays. Acast, Acast, Acast recommends. recommends.